Yeah. So, all right, ready to go? I think so. Okay. <laughs> let's oh, let's see if we. You know what? This is how we should what? start. I know, right? This is the cold opening. <laughs> I know, right? You ready to do this? I don't know, man. I don't know. Are you <laughs> like playing double dutch? You like 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 kind of bouncing in and out, bouncing in and out. Right. <laughs> Eventually, I'm gonna jump into a circle, but <laughs> but not no. Not now. Nope, nope, now. Wait, oh, wait. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're, we're not ready. soldiers. We're not ready. <laughs> so soldiers, listen, as y'all can tell, we, we are back y'all and <laughs> we, we missed y'all and we think that y'all missed us too, because we hit, we, you know, we got plenty of emails and texts and IMs asking, you know, where we've been. Um, We've been, you know, uh, for those of you who've been following the podcast, we have been um, MIA for about the last month or so. Um, and just, and we'll explain that in a couple of minutes. But yes, we, we missed y'all and we are, we are back. And so, um, I mean, yeah, we'll get, get into some of the other stuff later and where you can find us on social media and all of that. But uh, I think that, the first thing to ask is, so, Andres, anything interesting happen? <laughs> <laughs> What's happened while we've been gone, dog? What has happened since we've been gone? Well, hey, hello, everybody. Welcome. Well, not welcome back. Well, you welcoming us, us back. Right, let me do that over. Sorry. Wait. What? Now, where am I reading the credits? What? <laughs> where am I reading the opening credits? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> We're going to be here till midnight. Somewhere at the end now. <laughs> <we'll be. laughs> Tell you what, let's go ahead and do it right here, right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings and what's good, everybody. Welcome to the Christian Soldier Podcast a social justice, faith-minded podcast featuring three friends from across the diaspora exploring life at the intersection of race, ethnicity, gender, culture, politics, and basically living while black. I'm Abdullah Muhammad. I'm Andres Amador. And we are just two POC in the cornfield right now, living life, loving Jesus, and fighting the good fight in these rough and tumble podcast streets. So yeah, man. <laughs> um, as I was starting to say, what's 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 been going on? And it's just two of us right now. Where's Justine? And what's 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 going on? Okay, first of all, yeah, we gotta address Justine. She's still with us. She's still <laughs> <laughs> She hasn't gone to a better place. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, she's in Kenya. Um uh, and and she'll be back soon, and we miss her, uh, and we miss her voice and insight, and and we're gonna try to do a show between us, and and we're just gonna see how that energy goes. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, um, what's been happening since the last time we recorded? Well, yeah, the last episode was like early. I think what early or early, early to mid October. Early October. Yeah. Yeah. So the president got COVID. <laughs> the 
the FBI announced that 13 men from a militia group were charged in a plot to kidnap the Michigan governor at her vacation home. That's like some bad B-movie stuff. <laughs> yeah. Then we got Amy Coney Barrett, who got nominated to the Supreme Court September 29th and got confirmed October 26th. We have Pope Francis saying that he supports civil unions for same-sex couples. All major U.S. networks project that Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States after he won Pennsylvania. Kamala Harris will become the first female vice president of the United States. President Donald Trump. Kamala. You called her Kamala. It's Kamala. Kamala, 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 Kamala. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I'm back now. <laughs> It's, it's Kamala. It's Kamala, but, but I thought you said Kamala. Oh, really? Uh, it's that yeah. accent. Okay. See? Yeah. We don't want folks mistaking your accent for a microaggression. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Me of all people. <laughs> all right. So, Kamala. Kamala Harris uh, becomes the first female vice president of the United States. President Donald Trump is refusing to concede to Joe Biden still as of this recording, November 18th, and he's vowing to challenge the results in court alleging widespread electoral fraud. There's a promise in, coming in COVID-19 relief from a pharmaceutical company Pfizer that they have a vaccine that that's, seems to be pretty promising. So hopefully that's coming. And last but not least, Puerto Rican Luis Fonsi's Despacito music video becomes the first video on YouTube to surpass the 7 billion views. So, if you get nothing out of what happened in these last two months, okay, I may have missed a few things here and there, okay? <laughs> Just a couple. <laughs> but if you only know that Luis Fonsi got 7 billion views for Despacito, you're good. And yeah, that's what you missed. And they played that song oh. 75 million times and played it and wore it out. I love the song. But I love that he's Puerto Rican. <laughs> I love he had that, that number one. It, it was all in Spanish and it was great. Yeah. Yes. But. <laughs> and, but here's the thing, though. For as much as they wore it out, that song was kind of sexy as hell. No, it is. That, that, that song is, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. Yeah. But it's, it's one of those songs, it comes on and I heard it so much. I'm like, oh, okay. Yes. All right. Uh, so, again, guys, uh, my name is Abdullah. You can, you can hit me up on IG and Twitter at datdudedullah, D-A-T-D-U-D-E-D-U-L-L-A-H. And on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Christian Soldier. So, Andres, where can the folks find you on the socials? Best place to find me is on Instagram right now. Yeah, I'm on Facebook, but I don't know. I just, I, I, I want to do, I want to be my better self in Instagram. So, that's andresamador.me. So, Hello. that's the handle. Andresamador.me. You can find me on Instagram there. Perfect. And listen, so guys, um, like Andres said, so Justine, our 
our partner in crime, our third, our third wheel of our stool, our third person in our thing here. Uh, I can't remember the metaphor right now because I'm out of practice. But, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, she'll, she'll be back hopefully with us soon in the next in the next episode. And but we hope we really hope that y'all enjoyed the last episode that we posted that featured Justine and some of her friends. Yes, um, amazing and accomplished black women all in their own right. And that was just a really, a really good, just an amazing conversation and a great episode. And I don't know about you, Andres, but I learned a lot just listening to these sisters and their perspective and everything. Exactly. No, it was, it was, it was such a, a, a rich experience for me. I, you know, I'm torn about these conversations because at the same time, I hate that they need to happen, but they need to happen every once in a while. Yes. Um, I mean, the thing too about, about that conversation, I mean, so if anything, listen to the first five minutes. In the first five minutes, it was a sample of one set of many conversations. And in those five minutes, mm-hmm. ladies talked about code switching. They talked about adapting to majority culture. And by adapting, what it really means is how to survive in a predominantly white world. Yeah, they talked about well when they were going to, to university, how they were told that they were even stupid. I mean, they were told what they could study, what they couldn't study. Just it, it was it, it was enlightening and it was heartbreaking at the same time. So I don't want to say too much more about it, except just go listen to it if you haven't. Um, I mean it. it if you care about your neighbor and you want to know what's in the heart of some of our literally sisters, well, not literally, I guess, <laughs> of our sisters. Um, but seriously, seriously, just, just take a listen and just, and just soak it all in. Yes. Yes. And, you know, the, the, the last thing I'll add to that is that, so this was actually a two-part conversation and we were going to post the second part of that conversation the following week that the first one was uh the first one aired but technology being the way that it is and um our 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 engineer unextraordinaire being what he is <laughs> i.e me <laughs> you fought the good fight i didn't i didn't do a couple of things right and so uh, there are a lot of like the, the whole second episode is like the digital equivalent of a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> so, so I am, I am having to kind of piece that back together bit by bit to make sure that it matches, um, what we actually did. Um, I was going to post the, like just the video recording, but that's also grainy and really, really bad. And so, um, I do have some some audio engineering chops. It's just taken a while to to resurrect them, so, so that when we get that episode, it'll it, it, it'll still be tight. So uh, when it's right, it will be posted, and it might even be posted by the time this episode has aired or been posted. So um, hopefully, you listen to that if it already was. If you haven't, <clears throat> when this one is over, excuse me. If you haven't, when this one is over, go listen to the second part of the black women episode, it will not disappoint. Right. Before we jump into the, like the title of our episode and everything, I also want to just say, uh, 
as y'all know, you know, when we are here in these rough and tumble podcast streets, things get a little crazy. And, and if you are a podcaster who doesn't do this as a full-time job, like, you know, so us, th- this is just a labor of love because we, you know, we value the conversation. We value being, you know, being, being a part of, um, being able to get whatever attention that you guys are able to, are willing to give us to help have some conversations and teaching and encouragement and learning and all that kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, but doing all that kind of stuff and work, things got out of whack, you got to prioritize for a season. So, you know, we've, we've been life and family and, you know, I've been in writing, finishing some research on some PhD work. Um, or on my journey to a PhD, I haven't done my, my PhD dissertation yet. But on my journey, I'm I'm still doing academic work and 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 editing articles and that kind of stuff. So uh, just all of that has just been really kind of kicking us kicking us around a bit. And as you some of you may know, writing um, for it, academic writing can be a very jealous mistress. And so just you know those things have been taking us out of pocket a little bit too. Um, while Justine is, has been out of the country. But all that to say, moving forward, one of the things that we're going to start doing is we're going to be recording and posting episodes um, every couple of weeks instead of every week. That way we can be able to be more sustainable at delivering some time, like uh, timely content and delivering them on a regular posting schedule. You know, they'll still be posted basically every other Wednesday. And, um, you know, hopefully those of you who've been rocking with us so far will keep rocking with us and, you know, we're just going to keep going. Sometimes things get you off the path, but they don't knock you out and we don't believe in getting knocked out. You get knocked down and you get back up. So we're back up. That's right. And um, as, as for me, you know, I was pulled off the podcast streets as well. And I'll touch on that in future episodes. Um, but it's, it's weird with Justine being out, being in Kenya. I, I, and I've never been in a band. You've been in a band. But yeah, I, I get a sense that this is how it feels when someone in the band leaves for some reason or goes out and does a solo project. So yeah, Justine has, you know, is doing what she needs to do. <laughs> yep. Uh, but, you know, it's just like, we're a band. We're three. We're a trio. And then, you know, nothing against you, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, nah. It's I, just, I, I, yeah. you know, we're, we, it's interesting because the, Original idea was for the two of us, and then yep, the idea was for Justine to come in, and that was a brilliant idea. And and, and now I don't feel right without Justine. Like, right. <laughs> like, you know, so yeah, it's it's so Justine, if you're listening, okay, y'all know I'm old school, right? So so doing the three of us as much as we can without Justine is like new addition without Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Anyway, okay. All right, let's keep going. All right, Justine, you need to come back. <laughs> She's like, "What have y'all been doing?" <laughs> I leave for a couple of months, and this—that's what you guys do. <laughs> all right, all right, oh. all right. Let's get up to the business. Yeah, at hand. Let's go. So, yeah, what's the title track to this joint? Let's get into it. All right. So the topic for this episode comes from a question that we got in the Christian Soldier Facebook group. Someone there asked the question, what should the Christian response be to this election? So as you all know, 
this isn't necessarily a Christian podcast, but Justine Abdul and I are Christians and our thinking about these things come from our social location as Christians who also happen to be people of color. So the title track for this episode is What's Going On? Politics and the Christian. Mm, yes. So what is going on? What's going on is that's that's inspired by the classic Marvin Gaye joint. What's going on? So you know when when we pick some of these uh, these themes, sometimes we read the, the read the lyrics, and I'm sure y'all know the whole what's going on lyrics. But I mean, they are as timely today as they were when they were written in the. 60s or 70s or whenever that song came out I, you know so um some of the lyrics are what mother mother there's too many of you crying he says uh, brother mm. brother brother there is far too many of you dying mm. right you know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today and with our polarization god we need some loving here today and then this is the bar that that, that, that just gets it right picket lines and picket signs don't punish me with brutality. Mm. Talk to me so you can see what's going on. <laughs> so come on. Marvin was a prophet. Basically. Basically. Anyway. So yeah, this, the, title, the title of this episode is what is go- What's Going On? Now, and we know that so many of our listeners would not consider themselves Christian, like Andre said, and, and might you know, might even be turned off by the concept of Christianity. But given that Christianity is so heavily linked to politics in our country, and given that Christians are a significant constituency in the American electorate, um, and, you know, we, we wanted to give some perspective about it for folks that's important. You know, I mean, you know, we know what happened from the pundits and the, and the polls and that kind of thing. But we wanted to go, you know, part of our contribution to these conversations is nuance. And so we wanted to go a little bit deeper with some of the nuance for exactly, you know, or our perspective of what we think happened, you know, and, and just, just, just to keep it real, like one of the questions that I have frequently is what is up with these Christians? Me being one of them, but I'm like, man, listen, y'all are bugging right now. Like evangelical white brothers and sisters of the faith. Y'all picked Trump and you doubled down. This is y'all's dude. So y'all picked him once and showed up in droves in almost the same numbers to pick him again, despite, despite the moral bankruptcy, despite probably the actual financial bankruptcy. <laughs> so despite his being an instigator, despite him being pugnacious words that are in the Bible, uh, despite his long train of racist, xenophobic, homophobic, anti-history, anti-science rhetoric, like this, this is y'all's due to a fever pitch and really to something of an idolatrous degree. And so I want to play a clip for everyone so that you can see. So uh, someone sent me this clip and this, this, this clip is just, it'll speak for itself, and then we're going to come back. This is a clip from a pastor uh, in Calvary Chapel in California. So this is about 
it's a long clip. It's about six minutes, but I wanted to play the whole thing because you have to hear it. We, we're going to put it in the show notes, but just in case you don't actually click the show notes, we want you to hear it right now. Father, we, we praise you tonight. We humble ourselves tonight, Lord God. We ask you in Jesus' name, Father, that you'd forgive us. As a people, almighty God, please. God, you are pro-life. And one man is, and one man is not. Would you be pro-life for us, Jesus? Lord, one man is for Israel, one is not. You are for Israel. Lord, one man is for our military and our police and the other is not. You are. What will we decide? What message will we send you? Jesus, forgive us as a people. We have slept when we should have been awake. We've played when we should have been praying. We have faltered between two opinions and we have sown to the wind. And we're asking for your forgiveness. Lord, I pray tonight for the salvation of Joe Biden, God, that you'd touch his soul. All he knows is his version of Catholicism. He doesn't know you personally. Father, we pray for Kamala Harris. She's had such a crazy uh, exposure to spiritual things, but none the truth. And so they have their agendas and they have their thoughts and their ways. Without you, Lord, we'd be just like them. Save them. Father, tonight, President Trump is entertaining in his mind. I'm sure it's almost impossible for him to entertain this in his mind, but rumor has it he's never lost anything before. And God, I just pray that tonight he would lose himself and find you tonight. Father, that you'd visit him in his dreams. God, that you would take this very strong and able man who doesn't lean on anybody to go to his knees. Lord, may he collapse in your arms. Father, we pray for Melania. We know that she does love you. She loves your Bible. She loves your people. She's one of us. I can't imagine, Lord, the burden she's carrying right now. Strengthen her. I'm sure Baron is asking, what's going on? What's happening? Save and bless Baron. Father, I thank Lord God. I, and you know, Lord, me, I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with you out back. It's like you did it with Jacob and now you're having to do it with me. 
I just, Lord, Mike Pompeo is one of the most precious people in the world I know. And I just can't imagine him not being the Secretary of State. Lord, on his desk, his Bible's wide open. He's a man of prayer. He loves your word. He can preach your word. I'm so proud of him. Such a good man, him and Susan. Such good people. Lord, have you brought Mike Pompeo to be Secretary of State only for that to end now? Have you brought, Lord, Amy Coney Barrett into the, onto the court and that's it? That's, we're done? God, we in this room, we're still pro-life here. We know that you're pro-life. Please, God, have mercy. And Lord, we pray tonight for such an amazing, faithful man, a good man, a wonderful Sunday school teacher, Vice President Mike Pence. Lord, I believe you brought him to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I know, Lord, you're sovereign and you can remove people at any given second. You do every day. But Father, as we cried out to you last night, here in this place, we asked you to remember the covenant of our pilgrim fathers and that you would renew that covenant. And so, Father, I ask with my brothers and my sisters tonight that the light of truth would shine unto every state right now. That you'd expose all wrong, all that's evil, all that's wrong. Lord, this is not a Republican or a Democrat prayer. If there's Republican or Democrat shenanigans, expose it. You're not a Republican. You're not a Democrat. You're God. Shine your light of holiness, righteousness, justice. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask you, Lord God, that you'd give us a president and an administration that is pro-Israel, pro-life, pro-religious freedom, pro-police, pro-military, pro-jobs, pro-Hispanic, pro-black, Pro every other color imaginable. Because you're good. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, anyway, listeners, we wanted you to hear that because... Oh my goodness. There, okay. I don't want to do a whole postmortem on this video, but there are some things in there that were just way out of pocket. I mean, when you see the video, you'll see that dude's on his knees crying. And I mean, okay, so one man, he says, is for the executing of black bodies. No, he didn't say that. But <laughs> one man's for this, one man's for this. But one man is for the executing of black bodies at the hands of police, and the other is not. He didn't say that. One man is for the firing of those who disagree with him. He didn't say that. 
Kamala Harris, and he mispronounced her name, he says, has had such a crazy exposure to spiritual things, but none of them truth. He's dissing her, her, her Indian heritage and whatever else is going to happen with her. Right? Talks about Melania. She loves your Bible. She loves your people. She's one of us. I mean, come on. Talking about save them. Psst. Save them. Talking about uh, Kamala Harris's family. Really? Really? We doing that? <laughs> Lord, you've brought Mike Pompeo to be Secretary of State for such a time as this to end now? Yes. Buy Mike Pompeo. Deuces. <laughs> I mean, what, what else do you say? We're still pro-life here. Except for the black lives. Except for the immigrant lives. Except for the liberal lives except for the lives of the enemies of this lion-ass president. Mike Pence is a good man. Maybe he is. I don't know him. But this good man, if he is, stood behind this corrupt, lying, narcissistic, hate-mongering president. Why don't you talk about that? Why aren't you crying about that, Mr. Church dude? Lord, this is not a Republican or Democrat prayer. Well, I kind of believe it was. I'm not going on and on. I'm just saying, this is the guy y'all doubled down on to cult-like proportions. I mean, praying. I mean, I I saw pictures of people at the polling place on their knees, like they're at an altar, praying with their hands outstretched toward the doors of the polling place. I mean, this is just ridiculous. Yeah, that was that was um, very interesting to watch. He. You mentioned the pro-life thing twice in the prayer. That caught my attention. Um, yeah, that whole line that one is pro-life and the other one isn't pro-life. Let's just settle something very quickly right here and right now. Everyone, and let's say 99%, 99.5% of all of us are pro-life. No one is pro-death. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So the guy who goes to church more regularly is the bad guy and not the guy who doesn't know his faith because he's Catholic. Right. And okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll yep. get to Catholic. I'll get, I'll get to Catholic in a little bit here. Um, the guy who, the guy who can't hold a Bible, right? Is the guy, the guy who has to use, well, I guess since he's pro-police, he's got to use the police and whatever means of government he's got to use to clear a path so he can have a photo op in front of a church holding a Bible upside down. That's the guy. Um, my thing with, with President, um, and he has all those things you mentioned but we cannot forget the impeachment. Right. He used his office to talk to another nation to gather up dirt on a political opponent. Got caught, and simply because he had the majority of people in the Senate who would, would put their hands over their ears, he's still in power. 
that was wrong then, it's wrong now. Had that been a, a democratic, and it's democratic, not democrat. People like to use that because it has the word rat at the end. Um, the same people who voted for Donald Trump, if that was, if that was some Democrat, in the office would have lost their minds. Yes. And the inconsistency drives me crazy. And it drives a lot of people who are paying attention to Christians crazy as well. You want to talk about pro-life and you want to bash Catholicism? The group of people, the group of people, the denomination that's been the most consistent in this modern era, the most consistent, <clears throat> excuse me, the most consistent on life from the womb to the tomb. They oppose the death penalty. They've always opposed abortion. They just didn't jump on the bandwagon like a lot of people did in 79, 78. And we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. So let's not bash Catholicism too much. Because in 1973, yeah, abortion was okay with evangelicals. Say it again. I don't think folks heard you. No, they didn't hear me. In 1973, evangelicals, Southern Baptists, applauded the Supreme Court decision of Roe versus Wade. And I got some quotes that I can mention. Um, so let's not bash Catholicism too much in this because the stance that a lot of evangelicals are having, the Catholic Church had it then. This is a new thing, relatively speaking, for evangelism about pro-life. Catholicism, more pacifist than evangelicals. You talk about pro-police, and pro-military, okay? <clears throat> so, anyway, that's, I, I can go on and on, but that it just, I mean, if, if we could talk about Roe now if you want, but that's, that's Yes, crazy. please do, please do, because I was going to ask you to read some of those quotes, like what, like, yeah, like, like bring the okay. receipts. All right, let's talk about receipts. Um, there was an article Back in um, 1973, when the decision came out, the talk is that that is what brought people out from yeah. the, um, uh, that's what brought people, evangelicals, into, the, into politics, the decision of Roe versus Wade. And <laughs> when, when the decision was brought down, here's Here's an article back in 1973 from uh, uh, the Baptist Press, okay? Again, January, January 31, 1973. The title is High Court Holds Abortion to Be a Right of Privacy, okay? The article starts, in the Supreme Court in a 7-2 decision, 7-2 decision to overturn a Texas law which denied a woman the right of abortion except to save her life has advanced the cause of religious liberty, human equality, and justice. So the Baptists 
in 1973. Okay. Now, so it, it goes on to, to, to answer a few questions. And one of them was question, did the Supreme Court violate religious uh, property, mm. propriety by its abortion decision? The answer, the, Cat, the Roman Catholic hierarchy insists that the Supreme Court blundered by making an immoral, anti-religious, and unjustified decision. It has vowed to continue the fight against relaxed abortion laws. However, most other religious bodies and leaders who have expressed themselves approve the decision. Social welfare and civil rights workers hailed the decision with enthusiasm. So it, it goes down to say, thus it appears to be the view of the court that it is decided a constitutional question without attempting to answer the medical, philosophical, or theological problems in abortion. Right. And that's what that decision did. So do you want to talk about the real reason evangelicals got into the political game back in 1976, 77? <laughs> because it wasn't abortion. That's a myth. That's a lie. Now, let me say this, though. In 2020, there's a lot of people like that pastor who's talking about pro-life and us who are pro-life and those who are not. But there was a, a really long period of time where evangelicals were not political. Right? They were very quiet. They didn't want anything to do with politics. Mm -hmm. Okay? And something brought out some leaders out of hiding and said, nah, enough is enough. So, and that something was? Go ahead, you take it, <laughs> Mr. Historian. You take it. The something was a civil rights movement. <laughs> <laughs> the, the something was these evangelical folks didn't want these little young black savage males going to school with their little lily white daughters. Mm. That was the something. Yeah. So, yeah. Because so, Brown versus Board was decided in the Supreme Court white year? 1955. Okay. And Montgomery boy boycott was what? 1955. Okay. So things began to start changing in the 50s. A lot of people talk about the 60s as being that time where a lot of things, a lot of things happened, but the seeds were planted in the 50s by those decisions. So here's what happened. Richard Nixon, Republican, gets elected 68. His administration begins to see that Brown versus Board really wasn't getting implemented. Right. Right? Yeah, so Brown too came out. So, for example, 1968 in Mississippi, 23,000 students were in private schools. By 1970, 63,000 students were in private schools. And what were those private schools? Segregation academies. Mm-hmm mostly Christian, and they were private Christian education 
centers that basically allowed just white people only. Right. Right. So here it comes. So Nixon, again, Republican, Republican, <laughs> Republican. <laughs> His, this drives me crazy because anyway, his, the IRS during the Nixon administration begins to investigate the segregation academies because they were technically following the law, but not the spirit of the law. So this is where things get interesting. Okay, one more thing. So there's Bob Jones University, major academic place, and it barred black people. Like up until like 2000 or anyway, just something ridiculous. Like until last like, Tuesday, basically. Basically. Until recently. Basically. <laughs> yeah. So the IRS comes in and took their tax exempt status from it. They didn't like that. They thought they can just live in their own world. Christians could live in their own world and government wouldn't touch them. That is why they celebrated the Roe versus Wade decision because it was a privacy issue. It wasn't an abortion issue. Yes. It was like, oh, okay, we can live in our world and government cannot touch us. Yeah, it, it, it was a libertarian argument. Yes, until it did. Yep. And those segregation academies, the government went after their tax exempt status just as well. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. They didn't like that at all. We got to get back into the game. And that's how Christians became political. Right. It was about race. <laughs> it was about. It was about race. The segregation. And they didn't like it. Yes. And they wanted to continue it. They wanted to bend the rules so they could be separate and, but equal. When the, government was say, when the government was saying that you can't, it wasn't about abortion. Right. So, so here's the thing. Okay, so I think, I think I misspoke, maybe. So I think I said that Brown v. Board of Education was 1955 and the bus boycott was 1955. That's not true. The bus boycott was 1955. So I think I said that, that Brown was 55. Yeah. Was Brown was 54. 54. Yes. 54. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So Brown was, was, was 54. And then December is, I think December 5th or so. So December 1955 is when the bus boycott started. Oh, here's a quote. I, I was looking for it through my notes and I, I couldn't find it, but here I found it. The co founder of the Moral Majority. Here's what Pat he Buchanan. said. Pat Buchanan. No, not Pat Buchanan. Uh, oh. Called Paul Wayrich? Wayrich? Oh, Wayrich. Yes. Paul Wayrich. Yes. Okay. So here's his quote. Let's remember. That the religious right did not come together in response to the Roe decision. I, I could just end right there, but he continues. What got us going was the attempt on the part of the IRS to rescind the tax exempt status of Bob Jones University. It shattered the Christian community's notion that the Christians could isolate themselves inside their own institutions and teach what they pleased. Hmm. So, Paul Weirich, by the way, is also one of the same folks 
on tape, and we'll put this this in the show notes, one of the same folks that was talking about that Republicans don't want people to vote. Oh, was that him? That was him. Repub- so, 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 he, so he said that what Republicans want is they want, or the Republican Party and Republican strategists want, want um, voter turnout depressed. Like they want it small because the smaller it is, historically speaking, the more it tends to break for Republicans. And they know that. And so they exploit that, which is why, by the way, most, in most midterms, most midterms tend to skew Republican because voter turnout is depressed. Mm-hmm. And most folks vote during presidential years. So he's the guy who said that. So never let it be said that they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So here's the thing. We, we're already kind of into kind of the weeds on this, but there's three things that we're doing in this episode that, that we didn't say earlier. Um, and so there's really three, like three main questions to answer. Like I said before, part of our contribution to this conversation is just nuance and maybe backstory and that kind of thing. But what we're trying to figure out and what we're, and what we're talking to you about right now is three things. One, what caused all of this polarization? So like race. what, what race. <laughs> race, it was yeah. race, it was it race. Was race. <laughs> We've already so, established that it was race. Yes. So like, how did we get here? Right. The things that happened with the moral majority and things that happened with, with Christian evangelicals. Second thing is, what should, to the question that we got in the Facebook group, what should the Christian's response to um, politics be? And then what's next? Like, how do we recover from this? So those are the things that we're going to be talking about. And so, you know, I do, um, I do have some things to say as far as my perspective of, of, of what happened and how things got this broken too. But I, I want you to finish with your, your thought. Yeah, yeah. My, my final thought is, so... Ronald Reagan comes along, 1980, okay? So evangelicals want to get back in the game. 1976, Newsweek calls uh, the evangelical the persons of the year, okay? And then they find a candidate. So in 76, Jimmy Carter was in the White House, okay? Southern Baptist, once married, Sunday school teacher, just like Mike Pence. But... The conservatives didn't go with um, Carter. They went with Reagan. And they went with Reagan because he told them that he would take away what the IRS was doing. He will give them back their tax-exempt status, and you guys can continue doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And from then on, Christian and the Republican Party has been basically synonymous. Yeah. They vote like 90% along Republican lines. But it was because (laughs) you're told that it was about abortion and you told it was the culture wars and you were told it was about society. And And there's truth to it. But the seed that created the tree was race. And that's it. And you were told Something else, and I'm going to continue saying that. Yeah. Because. You've been hoodwinked. You've been hoodwinked. You've been led astray. You've been bamboozled. You've been run amok. You know, I mean, it's, 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 and, and at least for me, I know you got your points to say, that's how we got here. 
Yeah. Now, one more thing. One more thing is, is I know there are people that truly believe they're like true believers in the social issues and abortion and culture wars and all that. Okay. I'm, I don't want to like minimize that. However, you have to know where all this is, all that. You got to know what, what started this, the fire, what started the fire. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a much better way of saying it. Yeah. You have to know what started the fire. You got to know that there's a reason 90 plus percent of black people don't vote Republican. Right. And they're not stupid. And it's got nothing to do with them being quote liberal. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. not. I like to say that they're not conservative, not like liberal per se. Right. But anyway, that's another conversation for another yes. day. <laughs> um, okay. There is a reason they're not stupid, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, why don't you, cause <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's for, I'm back to that video. This is not a Republican <laughs> or a democratic prayer. Come on, man. Right. Come on, bro. When the, when the beginning of your prayer says that one is pro-life and the other one isn't and wink, wink, which party is the party of pro-life? Right. <laughs> yeah. That prayer is Republican as hell. Okay. So, anyway, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm are done. you done? <laughs> yeah. uh, mute me. Uh, mute me. Um, Umbaku and Black Panther, are you done? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, and, and this is all true. And then, okay, so I'm going to say one thing about the culture wars, right? So Republicans and conservatives really love having the whipping boy of, of the culture wars. And don't get it twisted. Like, like really, really pay attention, pay attention to, to the game. Republicans invented the culture wars. Mm -hmm. This was not a liberal, progressive, hippie, leftist, communist, socialist thing. The culture wars were started by conservatives. Because of all the reasons you just did, because of things we talked about before, because of, because of race, because of all of that. It was, it was, it was conservatives who did not like the way that culture and society was going. And so they waged war on that. And they're the ones who demonized and gave us many of the terms that we have now that we lob around over like grenades over, 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 over walls. So I'm going to say this. So, and, and, and I'll try to be quick. Um, but so there are, you know, like think about like this is, you know, if for those of you who are Christians, when you when you look at theological circles and you look at how to study the Bible, you have these three words that keep showing up um, words like uh, exposition, exegesis and hermeneutics. OK, and really simply put, it just means so exposition means that the details of the meaning or something that you have to pull that stuff out. Exegesis is also, you know, pulling out rather in, rather than inserting your perspective into something and then pulling out a meaning. Okay. So it's just, it's, it's pulling out the meaning before you insert values, your own values. And then hermeneutics is just a fancy word for interpretation, you know, but proper hermeneutics and proper interpretation should be based on some sort of original context, right? 
And so that's and that's what we're providing now. What's the original context? And so my and so my answer, other than other than the political historical stuff. So as a as a as a person who studies like political behavior and political psychology, my answer is going to kind of go toward that way too. Okay. And there for me, there are three things that happened that got us here. Three things. So if those things lit the match and those things started the fire, okay, the wood at the bottom of the stick were these three things. Okay. And those three things are good old fashioned human behavior. Right? Insert Michael Jackson. Why? Why? Tell them that it's human nature. That's the first thing. Because we're already designed as people, we're already designed to put things into groups and some kind of common characteristic to make in groups and out groups. We're already wired that way. And so, and so, you know, that's a concept. In groups and out groups is a concept that's taught all throughout the social sciences. So it's basic us versus them, Coke versus Pepsi, Apple versus Android, East Coast versus West Coast stuff. It's like primal. Okay. Um, it takes a very, very small set of conditions to do that. But the deeper those, those, those in groups and out groups are tied to identity, the more emotional they become and the more deeply we hold on to those views, which is why one of the things that conservatives did with the whole, um, with, with, with the response to Brown v. Board of Education, part of what they did was they appealed to a deeply emotional argument which was the myth of the rapacious black savage and scaring people into thinking that black folks are going to be going to school with their white folks and their white kids and contaminating them. It was a very visceral kind of an argument. And so in, in politics, like, or in social sciences and political science that that phenomenon is called affective polarization. You're polarizing by an affect or by an emotion. You read your Facebook feed, you'll see it all over the place, right? So, so, so that's, that's the first thing, right? And so, and so when we learn those things, when, when we're socialized politically, um, those, those preferences and opinions and all those things, th- those are stored logically, but they're also stored with emotions. So when a thing is primed or, or, or recalled back up, the thing we remember comes back up, but the emotion with which it was stored comes back up too, right? So, so, and I do an exercise in my workshops where I prove this to people, where I just repeat some words and, and I'm going to do, I, I, we're, we're kind of going long, but, but I'm, I'm going to give you three words and listeners, and I want you to think about and pay attention to your body for how your body feels when I say these words. Okay? So I'm going to say three words, and I want you to think about how your body feels. Pay attention to your body's response. The first word, liberal. The second word, puppies. Puppies. The third word, babies. And the last word, conservative. Now, everyone who just heard those four words, I guarantee you, you had some kind of physiological response. And probably, 
when I said puppies and babies, you smile. And I and when I said liberal and conservative, depending, unless you're like me and you're not a big pet person, I'm not a big pet person. So, <laughs> so when I said liberals and conservatives, depending on where you are in the political spectrum, you had some kind of thing come up for you in those words. And so that's that's the first thing, right? And then the second thing is is basically that politicians and political strategists and marketers and media companies and Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg and everybody else, the folks selling you pet food on those commercials, um, all of those folks, they know this about us and they exploit that stuff really against our conscious will. So that's how you get political ads and that's how you get two different versions of reality on news networks. And that's how you get a Facebook feed that is cultivated to your friends list and your, and your political preferences because people exploit that natural us versus them in group out group thing. That's, that's inherent. So, you know, this is, this is um, an example of the exploitation is like Lee Atwater and the Southern strategy. And, and, and Lee Atwater um, was a strategist to Ronald Reagan talking about, you know, what, what, well, you can't say the N-word, and I'll put this in the show notes, but if you use words like crime or you use words like welfare queen and those kind of things, then you prime some emotions and people feel some kind of way about those things. So that's the second reason why we got here. And then here's the last one. And the last one really is, is the nexus of the first two. And that is, you know, it's, it's, it's how people... You know, how people use that behavior and use those preferences, um, how, you, how lawmakers use those things to then create and impact and influence public policy. So that's how we got there. It's, it's, it's good old fashioned people manipulating your emotions and dialing up your preferences to 15 and then making you hate somebody who has the opposite set of preferences. That's how we got here. and. And one of the ways we got here, this is to me one of the worst things that one of the worst things that's ever happened in this country with respect to polarization was the Telecommunications Act of 1996. So, Andres, you've heard of that, right? I have, I have heard of it. Yes. yes. So, for those of you who haven't heard of this, this is like 1996 was the first major overhaul of uh, telecommunications law in like 62 years previous to that. The first one came out in 1934, which basically um, uh, regulated uh, the, the, the selling of, 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 of bandwidth and the selling of airwaves. But part of what they had to do was if a station could buy some, some airwaves for a TV station or radio station, they had to always include some public trust programming which is why you have the six o'clock news or the five o'clock news and the 10 o'clock news right now. And that news per federal law. So the original act is what created the FCC. So that news had to be unbiased. It had to be nonpartisan. The telecommunications act of 1996 completely stripped that away. And within months of that law being passed, we had two major networks that are involved in this polarization that were founded. One was Fox News. The other was MSNBC. They were both founded within months. So um, 
the 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 nineteen ninety six law went in, went into effect in February of nineteen ninety six, and um, MSNBC came along in July, and Fox News came along that October of the same year, and things have been completely bass backwards ever since. So that's also, I think, how we got there and how we yeah. got here. And that law is also the reason why there's things like Sinclair Group, uh, Clear, uh, Clear Channel. Clear Channel, yes. Uh, so basically what that means is that a company now can own all the communications in a town and there's nothing that can stop them. Where right. previously, you had to have some kind of yes. competition. Yes. That doesn't exist now. It doesn't have to be. So a virtual monopoly. Right. 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 And so many of you may have heard this as anecdote, but it's true. All of the major media outlets in the planet really are owned by seven companies. Mm -hmm. Seven companies own all of it. So now we haven't done liner notes. We have not. Shall we do liner notes? We have not. We have not. Let's do liner notes for a little bit just to. <sighs> so I can catch my breath. Just get some, yeah. I'm still thinking about like. <laughs> All right, so yeah, for our new people, um, we're just gonna give the listeners a little moment of process and some of the hosts a little time. To <laughs> yes, some of the two of the hosts. <laughs> One of the two of the hosts need a little time to talk about other things. Um, so yeah, it's just a reprieve, you know, from from the fight and talk about a song, a piece of art, or culture, a book, something that's feeding our spirit, inspiring us, or just giving us life. So Abdul, you start. What's what's giving you life right now? Well, see, I was going to have you go first. But no, I, I go first. I can go first. Okay. So uh, the thing that's giving me life actually is. So there is, there's an interview that came out. I just saw it this week. It's an interview with Van Jones from CNN um, that did an interview with Busta Rhymes. So Busta Rhymes just came out with a new, uh, a new album called you know, Extension Level Event 2, which was a follow-up to his 23 years ago uh, album by the same name. So, But it wasn't just Van interviewing Busta Rhymes about this new album. Right. So it ended up being this two hour interview where they were talking about everything, parenting, manhood, uh, blackness, knowledge of self, um, um, how like what it's like to be a black man and how uh, certain conversations that black men can and can't have. Uh, it's about, you know, they were thinking about co-parenting. Uh, Bus talks about his like one of the tracks on the on the record being about um his the the mother of his three sons basically apologizing to him for how she treated him in front of her in front of their sons and so it's 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 a whole it's a whole journey from you know buster rhymes is this hip-hop icon elder statesman of the game still one of the best mcs to do it and and so it was just him dropping jewel after jewel after jewel after jewel on just everything so like it's it's a really you know he started when he was 17 and here's a guy now who's almost 50 and is just 
showing his maturity as a person and as an artist. And so I really love it. That gave me so much life. Yeah, I really want to see that now. Um, <laughs> it's dope. I'm surprised you didn't send it to me just when you saw it. Just, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't only because I wanted it to be a surprise when I mentioned it here. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. <laughs> well, you did. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm dying to see that now. Yeah, definitely. No, that's good. So what's feeding my spirit actually is personal development, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm in the process of creating what's called a life plan. Okay. And it's exactly that. It's a plan for your life. What things are you going to be intentional about? Okay. And part of making the timeline, uh, part of making the plan is making a timeline, timeline of your life. So you have to go back. Uh, and just think about the major events of your life. And some of those are negative, right? Uh, but the, the cool thing is that then you get to redeem those negative points in your life. So you get a, a, some type of positive perspective on the negative parts of your life story. And we all have them. Not to say, not to, not to uh, say like, it, uh, pretend like it didn't happen, but it's just, it happened and here's the good that uh, came from it. And, the, and, mm. and it's interesting that when you do that and you take some time to do that, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, there's some things, really good things that came from this. And it just gives you perspective. So when you're going through bad stuff, it's, it's, there's, it gives you the ability or the training to say uh, uh, there's something that can be redeemed from this without denying what happened either. Okay. Wow. So it's, it's really powerful. And, um, um, and it's in the plan itself. It's just slowly giving me a sense of direction, um, to, uh, to the rest of my life, you know, what areas do I want to get involved in? What areas do I not want to get involved in? What roles am I going to play in my life? Uh, and it's just a way to filter some things out of life. So it's, I'm not just living in default. So anyway, um, I would just encourage you just to make your own life plan. Just do some research online and find life plan. And how do I make a life plan? And just take it from there. And just the, the, the thing is just to be intentional about your life, right? Um, and, and give yourself more agency about your life. Um, and the way I heard it explained to me was fate is a terrible writer. You don't want to give your life over to fate and let fate be the author of your life. You can be a co-author in your, in your life. So anyway, that's what's giving me life right now, making a life plan. That's really good. Yeah. That that's, yeah. I think that was a great, that was a great liner note. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. All right, let's go back to being pissed off. <laughs> there <you> well, <laughs> well, there's that. Now we, now we got that out the way. <laughs> so, so then, okay. So here's, here's the next piece, right? So, um, we, you know, we covered how we got here and, and, and we're going to cover, um, a, as our, as our, as our final thought will cover each one of us will cover how we recover and kind of get out of this. But now really to the meat of the question of the Facebook group, 
what should the Christian's response to this election or, or maybe even to politics in general be? Andres? I'm very curious about what you're going to say about this, but I'll start. I'll start. Um, so the, the first thing that came to mind when, when the question was propped up on, on the group is, um, well, it took me a, a few days uh, to think about it and whatnot. And then, um, well, now that, that we have a president-elect, Unless something dramatic happens, like crazy dramatic like, happens, I mean, <laughs> like, like movie, yeah, yeah like, like some jank went down, right? Unless something like that happens, we have uh, a president elect in Joe Biden. So, what should our response be to that? Now, I'm going to talk now to the Christians. Now, there's going to be a subgroup within that. So I'm going to talk to the Christians who voted for Joe Biden and who've basically voted Democratic. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And, I'm going to, and I'm putting myself in that group. So now our job is not over. Our job has begun because now it's our turn to hold Joe Biden accountable. We have a set of, uh, as Christians, a set of uh, let's say, principles. And if the president and his administration begin to stray from those, it is our job now to say, Mr. President, X, Y, and Z, you need to you know, correct these things or whatnot. Yeah. If we criticize our conservative brothers and sisters for being quiet during the time of Trump, then we can't be quiet just because the guy wears our team jersey now. Yep. Okay. So the the first thing is our work has begun, not ended. Like, oh, I voted for president, and then that's it. Right. So here's something for me to also, I, I need to do this. I need to know also about my local politics. That's just not, I mean, I, I, I hardly know anything about that and a lot of stuff that happens happens at the state and local level all politics are local all politics is local right so that's another thing that that also needs to happen so basically my my first thought is the process has not ended it has just begun uh there are some things if you're a christian about the democratic platform that are concerning Okay, um, I'm not going to get too much into the details about that because I don't want it to deviate from my main point, which is we cannot be silent just because the guy on our team won, quote unquote, our team won. Um, so that's 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 my main thing, my first thing. My second thing, and okay. <laughs> This might be cheesy. (laughs) Okay. But I I still believe it's true. We really are called to be peacemakers. Mm. Okay. During this time. That's good. Okay. That's not not cheesy at all. Let me say this because people, people think peace as the absence of conflict. And you know that's not true. That's not what peace in the Christian sense of the word means. What it means is just to bring harmony 
to be to bring completeness. Okay, uh, the the Hebrew word is shalom, and that is what we bring as peacemakers. Okay, Jesus said he was quoted to say that he came with a sword. Okay, that's not talking about peace, but that's also about restore this restoring order, yes, and justice, and everything that goes with it. And even so, though he came with the sword, he came in shalom. It, he, absolutely. So see, you, you think that a sword and shalom don't fit, but they do fit. Okay. Um, and the last thing for now is, um, um, I'll say, is that, and I may touch on this a little bit if, if we get to it, but, and I've said it in other episodes, we are not supposed to be left or right. Okay. The way this should work is that this time around, it might have been Joe Biden. And in four years from now, like, oh, you know what? No, let me see what the Republican Party is saying. And if it aligns more with my values, then I'm going to go with that. Mm -hmm. It's more about being cunning as a snake, really. You got to be strategic. The Republican Party doesn't have all the answers. The Democratic Party doesn't have all the answers. Uh, the truth is somewhere in the middle, and we go from side to side. We can't just be Republican and Democrats first and then Christian. And, and that's, that's for, for our brothers and sisters who are not Christian and they see us from the outside, quote unquote, from the outside, our inconsistency must. I don't know, drive them crazy or make them laugh or like, what are you guys doing? It's, it's making us irrelevant. Right. And, and that's the biggest thing. It's just making us irrelevant. Um, in, in 1998, Christ, Christianity Today, which is like the flagship of evangelical reading, criticized Bill Clinton for what he did uh, in an editorial. And then in December of last year, Christianity Today criticized Donald Trump for what he did uh, that came out during the impeachment trial. And then Christians called it liberal. And then, yeah, and then right-wing Christian just called them Christianity Today, like left, and anyway. But <laughs> my point is that that, that magazine um, was consistent. In its criticism toward a Democrat and its criticism toward a Republican. And we as a group, as a group, don't have that fortitude to stand up to power. And that makes us irrelevant. I mean, we, we have our own body politic. We are the witnesses of a kingdom, of a greater kingdom, and we are witnesses to a greater king than anything that's offered on earth. And yet, time after time, when we got to choose between the king and power, we choose power all the time. Yep. And our witness keeps getting diluted and diluted and diluted and diluted. So I'll start with that. Hmm. 
that's really good. And that's, I think I'm, I'm going the same, the, the, the same way. So what should the Christian's response to politics be? Um, or to this current moment, you know, I would say there's probably, uh, I'd say three things. So the first thing is, I think Christians, the first thing Christians should do is that they should realize that they are not so, that they're not supposed to, well, put it this way, Christians are supposed to remember that their citizenship is in heaven and their identity is in Christ. Right? So, so Philippians 3.20, it's, um, that's what we should be remembering first and foremost. Uh, and like not, you know, the political affiliation, like you mentioned, you know, if you are, if you are a partisan or whatever your political affiliation is before you are as a, as a Christian, as a professed Christian, if you're, you know, if you identify as a Christian, this, I'm only speaking to you about this. If you have anything above that, it's simply breaking the first commandment. Mm. I am the Lord, you're a God. You shall have no other gods before me. Yeah, that's good. That's and good. and I feel like, you know, conservatives in, 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 in this situation have been whoring themselves over this political ideology and completely breaking the first commandment. Yeah. So so I, I I think that the first thing is remember who you are and remember whose you are. And so, you know, we're just sojourners here. Okay, right? explain that word. We 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 are somebody, we are somebody who is sent on a mission <laughs> to do a specific thing. Right? So that's 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 basically what a what a what a sojourner is. So we just visited, dog. <laughs> you know? So that's the first thing. Um for us, for us as soldiers, we really only have two rules, right? Two rules, period. The whole Ten Commandments summed up into two things, right? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like, the second one is just like it, so says, right? Which is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's not two commandments. It's the great commandments. It's two sides of the same coin. You can't do the first which is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can't do the first without doing the second. Or put it another way, if you don't do the second, it's impossible for you to do the first. If you don't love your neighbors yourself, you're inherently not worshiping God. So Corinthians 13. Bam. For, yeah, first Corinthians 13. So I think the, you know, the the those now those two rules have a whole lot of nuance that even Jesus himself explains explicitly and he lives it out but the rest of the new testament scriptures really just kind of bears out the long division of that truth right so for example some of the things that the new testament tells us and and what it means to love your neighbors yourself is how to live as husbands and wives for example um, how to think about children and child rearing, how to realize that we are spiritual beings and not just worm food when we die. Uh, 
how to how to view and respect the governing authorities. Now, all all the time, all the time, all all the, the time. time. The same Christians who are going ham right now at how people are disrespecting Donald Trump were the same folks who called Barack Obama the Antichrist. How to treat outsiders and strangers. How to behave around people who live differently than you do. Mm -hmm. Not eating meat sacrificed to idols is one example. How do you people who are financially and circumstantially worse off than you? How to treat immigrants, widows, orphans, and oppressed people. How to recognize the hallmarks and the signposts of someone else's culture and be able to speak to it accurately, i.e. Paul's address at Mars Hill. You know, uh, it teaches about how to be good, how to be a good and responsible capitalist. Yes, the Bible talks about capitalism. And that it's not sinful to have wealth and resources. Um, it talks about biblical communalism. Not communism, not socialism, but, but, but there's a time to be communal. And to some extent, the Bible even teaches about responsible and non-oppressive tax collection. Talks about when meritocracy should matter and when generosity should rule out and how to help somebody out. So remember whose you are. So, so, I, so I think, you know, the, 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 the second thing that Christians should be asking themselves is, do I look at the deep political issues of our day with the heart of God? as demonstrated by Jesus and as guided by the Holy Spirit. That should be the thing that Christians are asking themselves, I feel like, you know, or have I become a slave to my socioeconomic status, my stuff, my tax breaks to the candidates who, 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 who scared the heck out of me talking about the coming of the black and the brown menace mm -hmm. into the suburbs, into the suburbs. If you're on the left and you're a believer, ask yourself, am I cherry picking all the parts of the Bible that I like about love and justice mm -hmm. and failing to reckon with the fact that God is the arbiter of who we are and how we live and how we feel inside? God is the one, God is the arbiter of identity. So am I honest with the fact that the Bible does not advocate socialism or communism or capitalism. It doesn't advocate one system over another. The Bible is very good at both ends. It's, it's very seldom either or. <laughs> yes, it is. It's yes, very it seldom is. either or. You know, um, and I have to be honest, you know, when I do the math and look at the receipts for how the parties are broken and corrupt, they're not broken and corrupt equally. They're not. And so there are some ways in which the right is morally bankrupt and morally corrupt. We have to do business with that. And the left wants to run, wants to run away from the fact that the country was not set up or was set up not as a Christian nation, but with a deep and abiding respect for the laws of nature and of nature's God. Right. The left wants to run away from that. And the left wants to eat their young for anybody who disagrees with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so the third thing I'll say is this. I believe that the framers, 
most of whom believed in the idea of divine providence, by the way. Mm -hmm. The framers did not want to establish a theocracy, but they did absolutely want to establish a nation that had a deep respect for the sacred while also allowing people to choose not to believe it at all. Right. And so what the Christian should do and the Christian's response to politics is remember, I said it before, hermeneutics and exegesis and all that and all that kind of stuff, right? That's the context. And so, and so we are meant to be pluralists. We are meant to hold on to multiple ideas of equal importance. That's what, that's what liberty is. I mean, that, that, that's part of the very liberty that they meant and the freedom that, that soldiers have spilt blood defending all over the globe. So, and honestly, that, when you talk about make America great again, that is what makes America great in the first place. It's that idea. And so, here's the other thing. Christians, stop voting your conscience. <laughs> your conscience is lying to you. What I mean by that first is deeply examine your conscience because if we all as Christians have the Holy Spirit and we vote massively different out of conscience, that ain't the Holy Spirit because the right. Holy Spirit is not divided like that. No, it doesn't make any sense, right? It's completely backwards. Right. So, so really check, like give your conscience a pulse check. Am I hearing from me and my opinions or am I hearing from the Holy Spirit of God? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, talk to folks who have permission to check you and speak in their life who think differently than you do, who will let you know when you're out of pocket and if you're voting on party or socioeconomic preference in a way that breaks the great commandment. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's what Christians should, that's how Christians should view politics. We should first remember who we are and whose we are and really examine, am I actually making my decisions? based on the scriptures and, and the teachings of the, of, of the master teacher, or, or have I been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, and run amok? And, and I think the, the, probably a good test for that, and we alluded to it, is this. If you're voting your conscience and one person represents your conscience, and then suddenly... You get, okay, let me make it more real, basically. If the Republican Party can do no wrong, I don't think that's, that, that I don't think your that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If the Democratic Party can do no wrong, that's not the Holy Spirit. No. Okay. If, if you didn't hold Donald Trump accountable in these four years, for anything, you're going to have to sit down for these next four. Right. You, you can't forfeit. Say anything. You can't. Yeah. You, you, you messed up your witness. You messed up your witness. There was plenty to say, and you could still vote Republican. <laughs> yeah. Like, who am I to give permission to vote Republican or Democratic? But anyway. But here's the thing. But the yeah, field was wide open. There were like 87 people running for president. Exactly. Of the there were side. like 217 people running. And that's who y'all picked. And you Twice. picked Donald Trump. There were true conservatives in that group. 
there were true and uh, not true. Well, there were people with with uh, that uh, claim uh, morality more, but people didn't vote for that. Okay, no. didn't vote for that at all. They, they voted for P.T. Barnum. So right, and 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 I'll say super quick. In 2016, a lot of people, a lot of questions were surveyed, and the social issues or even abortion didn't make the top one or two reasons as to why they voted. It wasn't the reason they voted that way. Right. And probably never has been. Okay. Nope. So like you said, if you're going to check your conscience, check all the stories that are in your head <laughs> and, and, and question them. Like, where did this come from? Where did the, where did the idea that Democrats can't be Christian come from? Right. Right, because yep. that's a story. That's a that's a true it's a thing. story. Okay, and and one more thing about Christians on the left, and 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 speaking out. Okay, because we're going to be tested. Okay, there there's progressivism on the left that's taking the party way left, and at some point, for certain issues, we're going to have to say something. Mm-hmm. We can't be quiet. And progressivism is is amazingly toxic to centrists. Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you, if if I mean th- that that's why they hated Joe Biden because he's a he's a centrist. Yeah, and the you Clintons know? and Obama and to an Clinton, extent. I mean, exact. Yeah, I mean, the left, yeah. the true, the true, true left. Yes, you know, and and you and I kind of hear them, hear them every once in a while. Uh huh. They l- hate loathe the center yes and the those in the center left and for those of you who are, who who are far lefties hear this you are as extreme as the maga folks you hate right it's called the horseshoe theory hit it okay so picture a, a horseshoe and the shape and now focus on the ends that's what the extremes are on the right and on the left. The mechanisms of your extremism are pretty much the same. Right. You just happen to saying different words, but your ex- extremism is it's practically equal. Yes. And you're the, the, the noisiest, the squeaky wheelist. <laughs> you the guys squeak wheeliest. <laughs> yeah. You guys are making all the noise and all of us in the middle. If you just leave us alone for a little bit, we can come to agreements on certain things. But because we keep getting polarized and we keep getting pulled to the extremes by the noisiest mm-hmm. among us, there's no real conversations happening in the middle that's anymore. Good. And that's unfortunate. So, so for those who voted for Biden, who claim to be on the left, we got to watch out for the extremes. Okay. And, and I keep harping on this point because now it's our turn. Yep. You said the Christians were quiet and you said the, the Christians on the right were quiet during the Trump years and the silent was deafening. We can't be the same way. When it's time to call them out, we got to call them out. Call them out. Okay. And they're, and they're now, the thing with the Democratic Party is a more diverse tent. 
than the Republican Party. So there's going to be tons at, of at least issues. on the face of it. Yeah. But here's the thing. Okay. And I, I know we can get into the weeds about this. Yeah. So, so Bernie Sanders was asked if there's room for pro-life Democrats in the party. And he said, no. Basically, not basically. No, he said, no, he said, no. Yeah. <laughs> he said, no, he said, no. Okay. So those are the things, those are the things to watch out for. If you vote a democratic and claim to be Christian. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then final point, And I don't, we talk a lot about race about this, but Christians on the left just can't be about racial justice because that makes us equally one issue voters as Mm -hmm. well. Okay. We have to go beyond that. So we'll leave it at that. That's good. That's good. So as we wrap up, so, 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 so the final question then is where do we go from here? Like, how do we find our way back? Right. So. So I would say for the sake of time, what, Andres, what is one action you'd recommend folks to take in general as a Christian to specifically move past this toxic and polarized moment? It's very simple, okay? Due to the time constraint is we need to go back to church, ecclesia. We need to be um, the people who talk about the kingdom and its king. I mean, mean, it's Acts 17, 7. They're all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Mm. We just need to go back to the basics. Okay. Church is not a social gathering place. Yes. Okay. yeah. Okay. Last thing. <laughs> my, my last words. As Christians, also, we got to pretend that, that church isn't political. It's very political. But not politics the way that we think of it. Okay. Ecclesia, which is where we get the word church from, is Greek for a, a public assembly. And we didn't, we didn't choose synagogue, which is the Hebrew means a house of gathering. We're not just people that gather. Church is a real thing. It was, it was uh, created by the Holy Spirit. It's not just a social, it's not a social thing. Anyway, I can go on and on and on. But the, the action step is just, just know why you're here and why you are created. Know why you're here. What's your purpose here? Know who you are and what's your purpose. And that is to partner up with God and reclaim and redeem the whole world. Christians just don't want to make America great. Christians want to make earth great again. I. That's good. That's good. So the last thing I would say is you know so to, to the to the question of how we move on you know like what next can we recover is really simply this talk to somebody talk to someone with a vastly different perspective than you have and love them as you'd want to be loved 
by listening to them for understanding. To me, it's really that simple, like not, not for debate. I mean, ask you know, questions and clarifying questions and all that kind of stuff, but try to hear the heart of somebody instead of going into the thing locked and loaded. And so like, do your best to listen with your heart. And I believe, because I hear it and see it all the time, I deeply believe if you hear what someone's trying to say, I go in, we go in on conservative, like conservatism and all that kind of stuff. But I also want to hear the voices and the perspectives of individual conservatives. I want to have some hard conversations. Okay. And so, because I believe that you'll hear what folks are trying to say. I believe you'll hear their heart. You'll hear their fears and anxieties. And so like Brian Stevenson says, get proximate. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we've become just way too distant. And so that's what broke us. Right. That's what broke us. So getting proximate, I believe, is the only way we can fix it. So uh, to your point, um, I want to just read this uh, quote from uh, from a pastor in uh, Chicago. And it's this, and it goes, goes to your point. It says, quote, I'd love for this year to be a year where we normalize civil disagreement, rigorous debate, seeking understanding above agreement, and gracious parting of company with folks when the disagreement becomes too sharp to walk together peacefully. I like that. There it is. I like that. There it is. Well... That does it for us for now. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode. Thanks for being gracious with us and still rocking with us. And uh, as always, if you like the show and you like the content, if you're encouraged or challenged by it, please rate the, rate the podcast, subscribe, share. Most importantly, drop us a review. That helps us show up in the rankings and gets all the podcasts maths bugs in the back doing their thing and helps folks find us and helps grow the community as i always say we can always use more soldiers and if you have questions about anything we cover on the podcast or you want to suggest episode ideas or you just want to reach out become a member of our community on facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash christian soldier that's s-o-u-l-j-a-h or you can email us at hello at christian soldier.com So thanks again for listening. I'm Abdullah. I'm Andres. And until next time, y'all, keep the faith. Peace. Paz. Justine, come back soon. Amani. (laughs) (laughs) The Christian Soldier Podcast is brought to you by the Christian Soldier Collective, a Jesus-centered community dedicated to the pursuit of unity, cultural and ethnic conciliation, and social justice within the church. The theme song is The Ace by Ballpoint. The Christian Soldier Podcast is a production of the Christian Soldier Collective and Monarch Training and Development. Mm